and welcome to the Tent Podcast, that is to say, the Thriving in Technology Podcast. Your hosts are Sam Moulton and Cecilia Taylor, both members of the Influence Marketing Team in NetApp. We're excited to have Dana Iskolsky joining it. us today. Iskolsky. Dana is the Corporate Communications Manager at Blue Cat, and as such, wears a number of hats. What intrigued us most about Dana is how she describes what she does and how she does it. We're going to let her tell us about that now. Welcome to the Tent Podcast, Dana. Hi, thanks for having me. So, Dana, you and I became Twitter buddies, and then you reached out to me, and we decided we would get together and have a little chat. So that's how you and I got to know each other. And then, lo and behold, turns out you're also a member of the Influence Marketing Council. So that was that's kind of the connection that the three of us share. And, you know, what, what intrigued me when I was, was talking to you was how you managed at your, you know, essentially, you're just starting with your career, but you managed to convince some high level people within Blue Cat to give you a, a lot of responsibility. We'd love to hear exactly how you did that. So it's about a two year story, actually. Oh. Okay. I mean, going well, back to, don't worry, I'll I was, condense. I thought, I thought you were going to say, oh, sure. <laughs> no, I, I remember you were able to tell a little quicker than that. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> the, the main theme is relationships matter and relationships will take you far. And what I mean by that is I started at Blue Cat in a completely different role. I was an intern. I was on the marketing automation side. We sent out emails and we made sure that people's names got passed on to our sales team when they indicated they were interested in hearing about what Blue Cat does. The more demand gen then. Very much. Yeah. I try not to use demand gen as a word because I I have to remind myself that people not in marketing don't necessarily know what the the different names that we give it are. But yes, exactly demand gen. How smart she is, Cecilia. Did I tell you? Oh, I, I, I see. She is wise beyond her ears. Yes, that's that's exactly that's exactly right. Sorry, I won't interrupt you again. I promise. No, it's okay. So long as my wrinkles don't catch up to the wisdom, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> what was I going to say? Oh, right. And then partway through, we fired our PR agency at Blue Cat. Mm, that and yeah, and I've always had like a an inclination towards networking and meeting new people slash content creation, like storytelling, basically, and but never expected to do any sort of like PR influencer relations work. And something hit me over the head and I kind of raised my hand and said, hey, can I give this PR thing a try? Can I reach out to some journalists, see what happens? Um, as we know, our industry is like kind of tough in the, the PR, just generally like finding interesting spins on things. Mm-hmm. Um, tougher than most if you're in beauty or sports or whatever, like there's a lot to talk about there that's, anyway, that's different here. And so my my management was great. And they basically said, look, it was hard for our agency, but knock yourself out, go for it. And so I did. And somehow that ended up um, going so well that I out, I outperformed the agency. And the way that I did it was I, I just started reading what people wrote, reaching out to them and seeing what it was that they were interested in talking about, what they no, cared about, sir. et cetera. No, sir, Dana, you did not yeah. that. Oh my yeah. yeah. Isn't that amazing how well that works? versus yep. people pitches that they have zero interest in. So I think that the reason that I came to that conclusion as opposed to like sending pitches out was because I never studied PR. Like I studied environmental sciences. So it was never part of my training. I, like, you didn't learn bad habits. Basically. Yeah. You just I, went yeah. It with your eyes open, knowing how 
people like to communicate or your, I guess your idea of how that should work. And oh, guess what? Yeah. Yeah. That people are still people regardless what their actual job is, whether they are a journalist or podcast or whoever it is. And so that turned into sort of more and more of what I did. And people leaned on me, like when we had a research report, it would be on me to sort of pitch that out and make sure the right people knew about it. I had to go back to school though, because I was on an internship. My boss eventually brought it up and and we're a fairly small team. So my now boss is the VP of marketing. He basically brought up the fact that, so you go back to school and all this just stops. (laughs) And I said, well, no, actually I can consult and I can work part-time if you want which worked out well for me too, because it's the best part-time gig you can ever have as a student. So I did that and then came back full-time at Blue Cat with basically the role built out more concretely and that specifically being the full-time focus. So now I just get to spend more time learning about people who have influence in our industry. Does that- Very, very impressive. Very impressive. How you and we can it. dig into that if you want. Well, well it's think- interesting. It says that you have a uh, in- unusual job description as listed in your LinkedIn profile. So I think this kind of dovetails into that question. Mm -hmm. Can you share what that is? And since our listeners aren't looking on LinkedIn right now, can you share what that is and how that, you know, how from when you decided to come on full time, how that's, you know, how how that's evolving? How's that working? The way that I look at what I do, like call it PR, call it influencer relations, what it is at its core is making friends. And so what I write on LinkedIn is that I help essentially make friends on behalf of organizations and those friends happen to have influence. So that's the way that I describe it. I better on there though, actually. I'm going to read it because I like it so much. I help tech companies make influential friends in their community. I think that is just priceless. I, I, I just, it's, it says everything you need to say in one relatively short sentence. And really that's, again, I don't want to come back, keep coming back to the fact that you are young and just starting in your career, but you're very insightful and, you know, your ability to kind of hone in on what matters, frankly, you know, it can take other people many, many years to learn, or, you know, they may never learn it at all. So I want to dive more into that because as I mentioned earlier, we're all members of the Influence Marketing Council. So we know about influence. We know about influence marketing, how it works, but we want the details of what, how do you approach this or what are some of the things that you do to solidify these, these relationships, these building, building out that community? I think and I'll, I'll start with sort of the end in mind. And the the successes that I see or what I consider to be a success is something like there's a person who is really well connected in the industry, for example, that I feel comfortable reaching out to and just asking them a question or getting their opinion on something, plain and simple. I think those are sort of the relationships that you're probably gunning for, regardless whether that results in any specific, like I know the typical PR metrics are like coverage or web traffic, whatever it is. The way to build those relationships is very much like you build any other professional relationship or like the way that I think about it is like career friends and who can you make friends with along the way in the context of your career, their career, what they do, where you're mutually supportive. Exactly. Yeah. So a lot of what I do is just like, I spend a lot of time on Twitter actually, and it's more so to figure out like who knows who and 
who's doing cool stuff in the industry. And also it's a really good way to get connected with people. And then I, I, right here, case in point. mm -hmm. (laughs) Exactly. Because you found me on Twitter, followed me, and then I realized you and I do something really similar. So I have to talk to you. And so it's like going down those rabbit holes and and chasing who you think um, you might get along with and also just taking the leap and doing that. And then I'd say I don't necessarily pitch people things. Like I don't, I try not to ask people for anything. I try to figure out what it is that is up there, Ellie, and is interesting to them and just have a conversation, which I thought might, when I started this, I wasn't sure if that was the right way to go about it or not. But actually one of the calls where Tom was a guest on the IMC, that was very validating because he does something very similar. Mm -hmm. Hi, Tom. And thank you, John and Kat, for organizing that. They love you, by the way. I love them. And again, that was such a like happenstance meeting. The way that I met them was I'm on Twitter. I know who Becky is. You've had Becky on the show. Yeah. Um, she and I happened to be sitting next to each other at the bloggers booth in at VMworld. I turned around to her and I'm like, are you a Becky from Twitter? And she goes, yes. Are you the Dana from Twitter? And, <laughs> and then Kat walks by and Becky's like, oh, Dana, this. And again, I'd seen Kat around the internet and it sounds so weird finding people on the internet. But anyway, she introduced us. So thank you, Becky. But point is just like get That's to Becky know people. Elliott, by the way, 18 yes. member Becky Elliott. I, I try in every podcast we do, every episode we do to make some reference to the A-team. So help me. Thank you for helping me do that. There we go. So yeah, tips are spend the time to figure out who's who. Spend the time to get to know people. Don't start offering them stuff that is only good for you or asking them for stuff, see what they're interested in. That's a conversation. And sometimes they don't have time to have that conversation, but offer it and then keep them in mind when there's an opportunity for you to also be able to help them out. That Those would be my three tips. I think, I guess my question was initially, what are the strategies and techniques? But I think you kind of already answered that, but I, I kind of want to ask, what do you think is a way to, to make a connection with someone that's not as the traditional method? What do you consider traditional? I'm curious. Right, traditional is where we're like, you know, hi, my name is so and so, and I'm in, you know, and I'm 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 reaching out on a tweet. But you know, what are there? What are other ways? I guess that you think of doing that you can do that rather than being super obvious. And let me give you a hint, Dana. You have a blog post about this. I was literally I was thinking about yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And there's Um, some cool things in there. The best thing that I found that works and makes people excited on both sides is um, you have to be doing something already. Like you have to be running a blog or you have to be running a podcast or something where you can reach out, show that you've done your research Mm -hmm. and invite them to be a guest on your podcast or your blog or in some way, shape or form, A, let them talk about themselves in a way where you get to know them a little bit better, but be where you give them some value and whether that's exposure or maybe, you know, if you don't run a blog or you don't run a podcast, try seeing who it is that you could offer to connect them with that, you know, pretty well they'd find value in. Just reach out with an offer. Don't reach out with an ask. Oh, I love that. Oh, I want to, I want to borrow that one too. Or, you know, borrow it, seal it, you know, but absolutely pocket it. Yeah. So repeat that again. It's reach out with an offer instead of an ask. Sam and I are members of the Women in Technology organization at NetApp, otherwise known as WIT. We're passionate about equality, diversity, and inclusion. 
helping younger women advance their careers and helping mid-level and senior career level women as well. Really just supporting women in general. And we're big fans of Barbara Williams Hardy, who we had on our show a while back. She's a champion for all of these things. One of the things that she maintains is a list that we shared with you before the podcast called the Barb List. And it outlines about nine tips for fearlessly achieving your personal and professional goals. We did send it over to you and wanted to finding out which of these tips resonated with you the most and, and really why that particular tip resonated with you. Well, I, we should say though, you can't pick the first one, which is relationships matter because you already covered that. Okay? Darn it. We know that that's, we know that's your number one. So number two. So yeah, I, I was going to ask like, can I pick more than one? And the reason I say is is because looking at the list, there's, there's different things that resonate in different ways and that are valuable in different ways or support one another. So the relationships matter, obviously, like that's what I'm betting my career on. Um, to ask for help, I think is, uh, beautiful because it almost, it ties back into relationships matter where eventually you do need to lean on people and people do actually like to feel like they've helped you out as well. Like reciprocal relationships. And there's a book called, I think, Never Eat Alone or Leaders Never Eat Alone, something like that, that basically talks about uh, the best relationships over time happen to be give and take. So giving people an opportunity to actually uh, support you as well is hard to do because you feel like you you don't want to ask for help or you're, I don't know, embarrassed or you feel like it's a lazy thing of you to do. But when people lean on each other, it's beautiful. So that definitely do it afraid. I think I realized at some point that everyone's afraid and everyone just keeps doing it. Yeah. And so don't let that stop you because then you're just never going to do anything. Be curious is just, I think, a, a natural personal like characteristic. And then lift as you climb is also beautiful, I think. There was, and I can't remember where this, oh, this, I was reading an article on interviewing people. And there was a note there by the author, and I'll have to pull up the article again. But it basically says how one of the great questions to ask, especially if you're hiring someone for a managerial role, is who do you feel like you've positively impacted in the last you know, year or so? And watch what the person says. Because a lot of people, if they're specifically like status seeking, will, will mention someone higher up in status than them. Mm-hmm. So either drop a name or something. And then people who who really care will also remember the time that they felt proud that they pulled, they lifted somebody up. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's just really important. And I wouldn't be here today if I didn't have people who had believed in me or taken, you know, a gamble on me. Like my, my boss today basically had to pitch to our CEO. And again, we're a smaller company. We're not at upsize. So it, it's not the same thing. I think like we're a very connected company in that sense because we have to be and we're small, but like he had to go to the CEO and get it approved sort of thing. And again, I'm 23 years old. So that one's really important. That That is, you know, I don't think we, we gave your specific age earlier, but that I'm is, fine with that. Yeah. Oh, well, good. I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to push on that, but that is what kind of blew my socks off the first time we, we, we talked when you, you told me you were 23 and I'm like, what? Amazing. Yeah. I think you were cluing it together. Like as we had the conversation and it's something that I, for a long time have, not necessarily been willing to share because I feel like it, it almost 
like doesn't help credibility sometimes, especially if the person you're talking to just naturally has a predisposition of thinking that, you know, 23 year olds, what do they know? Um, And I recognize that, you know, experience is valuable and can only be built over time. But yeah, that's why I used to be really nervous about sharing that. Well, anyone who speaks with you for more than five minutes, you know, comes away very impressed with your, thank you. What, what am I trying to say? The wisdom you have, you're like an old lady in a younger, no, that's not what I want to say. <laughs> there must be a better way to say this. You but are I like right beyond your years. How about that? That's, that's good. All right. Thank you. <laughs> gotta have, gotta throw a little humor in here every now and then. So switching gears a little, you are also a podcaster and we would love to hear how you got started doing that, why you started doing that. And, you know, tell us any tips or tricks that you've learned that you know, can benefit us. We're, we're happy to take your, you know, get some advice from you. Ooh, I think you're, what you do is probably really similar to, to what I do, which is when you're prepping. And so to clarify in the podcasting sort of experience, when I was in school, started a blog that then turned into a podcast. Both of them don't exist anymore because it takes way too much time. You guys know how long it takes to, to keep this all up. Mm-hmm. But I did podcasting there for sort of myself. And then now I produce a podcast. I don't host it with the chief strategy officer here at Blue Cat. So he hosts it. I kind of arrange the rest of it. And what I've learned is that people love to talk about themselves. And I don't mean that in sort of like any sort of negative way, but it just, it, because we're all so busy, it's hard to just take the time and have a, a chit chat meeting. Mm-hmm, right. And so a podcast is this really nice opportunity to do that, that that feels like it's got a little bit of added value where um, you get to share some experience with other people. Yep. And you hope that somebody's going to listen to it and learn something from you. Yeah. Someone's more likely to spend some more time with you, spend time getting to know you. So many great things come out of it. And also people will share a lot of things that they otherwise wouldn't get a chance to in terms of like advice and um, things that they've learned. Also, what I found is no matter how much prep you do, things always go off the rails. But you need to do the prep to to let it get to that that beautiful sort of conversation goes, you know, wherever you didn't expect it to. And it's because you've done your research. So I, I don't know if this is giving it away or not, but Sam, you put together a like really thorough outline. You clearly went through the blog posts that I've written, for example, and sort of made talking notes on like, let's make sure we reference this and this and this. Oh, and yeah, that's I great. I, I definitely am. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's what I do. What do you but, think is the greatest But that's awesome. Challenge, you, where do you find the, the biggest challenge as a, as a producer of a podcast? Where do you find the greatest challenge? Right now, it's actually finding guests. And the reason that I say that is because the type of podcast that I'm trying to produce is for senior IT leaders by senior IT leaders. And senior IT leaders are prone to having emergencies come up whenever, and this is so not part of their day job, so why? You know what I mean? Like it it falls to the bottom of their um, priorities list on top of the fact that if you're talking about the things that, you know, you professionally are doing, that means you're talking about the things that your organization is doing and the decisions strategically that they're making with their technology, which some legal teams are nervous about. Right. Yeah, so you have to be careful what 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 you do cover yeah. during those conversations. Yeah. I think exactly. When you're talking about trends or basic challenges in the industry, I think you can kind of keep that conversation at a higher level without yeah. being too specific. 
which should hopefully make the legal teams happier. Yes. Makes our legal teams happier. Absolutely. I agree. But I also, in my mind, like the best kind of podcast would be the one that, you know, if you were overhearing two people in a coffee shop talking or, you know, over drinks, whatever, it's the thing that you would want to eavesdrop on because it's people talking about the nitty gritty and like the, how they actually did it. So those are, are really rare, but special podcast episodes, but hard to get. I wanted to just ask you if maybe there's something that we didn't talk about that we should have, because you've got some really unique ideas. So what do you think? Is there something we might've not covered yet? There's something I've been thinking a lot about, and it's the concept of social engineering and that has this terrible connotation to it. Really? I think it sounds interesting. Well, good, because that's where I'm going with this. Okay, good. <laughs> is you, when you go to a conference or um, even in the workplace or when you're working with a client, and I've sort of collected more tips since I wrote a blog post on this, but there's ways to create situations in which you get to connect with someone on a slightly deeper level. If you're at a conference, for example, instead of waiting for people to come up to you and decide that you're cool enough to talk to, which if everyone's waiting for that to happen, then no one's going to talk to anyone. <laughs> Try to create situations where you bump into people or you have to talk to people. Someone who, um, a YouTuber uh, who I really like who talks about this is Vanessa Van Edwards. But in terms of sort of like the points that, that I've come up for myself are things like when you walk into a conference and you're going to go to a presentation, don't sit on the corner. Actually walk by someone, put them in the position where they have to shuffle a little bit so that you have space to walk by. They feel like... There's a little bit of an icebreaker there. They feel like they've just done something for you. You've clearly interacted, even though you didn't have to say words. And then say, start a conversation. Just say, hey, like, what are you in this talk? Yeah, exactly. There's stuff like that. There's stuff like, I heard this from my VP of customer success. Whenever you're kind of in situations with customers, always keep a piece of information in your back pocket so that you have another opportunity to reach out and keep in constant contact. Like So if you've got three updates, for example, that you got from your team about, you know, whatever the situation is, and the third one isn't all that important necessarily, don't mention it in uh, the meeting that you're having with them right now. Bring it up two hours from now as just an FYI for them. But now all of a sudden you've created an opportunity where you're communicating again. And so anything that, you know, they happen to have come up with in the past hour or two has an opportunity to make its way back to you. Okay. So if you're continuing that um, momentum uh, in terms of, you know, that's whether you're at the, I mean, this sounds like it applies more to when you're first trying to connect with somebody. Basically Uh, any like find excuses or create excuses to be able to uh, start conversations up or start them back up. All right. That's very good. good. Well, Cecilia, I guess well, now you can do the honors. Well, we always ask our guests a question that we haven't prepared for them that we never include in the outline because we probably don't even think about it until we start to record. Just like that last and question that I asked. <laughs> I was I was really thinking this morning, and I don't know why this uh, occurred to me, but if you were forced to eat only one food for okay. the rest of your entire life, and I mean, there is nothing else you can eat. Don't care how long that is, how many decades that may be. Do we have to be concerned about nutritional value? Yeah, that's a good question. Calories do not count. Okay. 
And you can't uh, get diabetes. And you cannot get diabetes. Okay. All right. So what would it be? Now, remember, you're going to be eating this for breakfast, lunch, and dinner for the rest of your life. What would okay. it be? Sam, let's ask you. No. Oh, I get to go first? I thought you were supposed no, to go first. No, right. I'm going first. no. All right. There are a lot of thoughts came through my head, but if I think about breakfast, lunch, and dinner, I think the most perfect thing to eat is a baked potato with tons of butter and sour cream and salt and pepper and maybe some chives. Ooh. Right? I mean, that can work for all three meals, and I could eat one of those any time of the day or night. So there's my answer. I'm hungry. You're looking, Cecilia's giving me kind of that face where she's like, whoa. Well, see, I was going to go with a really more, a, a simpler answer because I do, what I didn't tell you is the fact that you can prepare this food or have this food any kind of way. It just has to be the same food. Mm -hmm. So I was going to say oh, well, potato. Okay. So I was I'll going to say potato oh. because I can create potato I in a breakfast way, in a lunch way, and in a dinner while it's different, it's still the same food. Yeah, I'm thinking roasted red now, roasted red potatoes. But I took, it's too bad that you asked me to answer it first because I got it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I am a meat and potatoes girl. So All right. So you've heard, our, you've heard our potato problems. <laughs> I'm going to be super impractical and say mangoes. And the reason that I say that is because when you, hear me out, um, okay. we don't get great mangoes in Toronto. And when you asked this question, my mind jumped back to when this June I was in Vietnam and in Southeast Asia, the fruits are just, they're different and they're 20 times better, mm. if not more. And I remember one of my meals was literally just like different kinds of mangoes cut up. Ooh. And I was, the, I was the happiest person alive because I knew that I would not get the same thing back home. And so that's what I've, I am now craving. And that will be my answer. But if you wanted practical, it would be rice. Rice. Okay. Mm -hmm. That that's sustaining. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, but mangoes. That, but mangoes. That light, fresh. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, that does sound good. Mm. Okay. Well, now that we're all starving. Yeah. Um, and it's hours until dinner. So apparently we will be snacking after we wrap up this podcast. That doesn't sound like a bad idea. <laughs> it really doesn't. Well. <laughs> That's a wrap for this episode of the Tent Podcast. We want to thank Dana for joining us today and to our listeners out there. We know you have a bunch of podcasts you could be listening to. So we appreciate the time you took to spend with us. We hope you'll add us back since we've been on break to your <laughs> list of must listen to cue a podcast. We want to hear your feedback though. What works? What doesn't? What would you like to hear about in our next episode? We encourage you to email us at ng tentpodcast at netapp.com with your questions and your comments. Thanks again for listening. Until next time.